The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. to The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast, proudly brought to you by SJP World Media. I am Sai, and joining me as always is Mr. Benny Mack. How are we doing, my friend? I'm doing very well, Sai. How are you? All right, bud. All right. An exciting couple of days for me at time of recording. I mean, obviously, this this yeah. is going to come out uh, in like three weeks' time, I guess, to where we are today recording. But yeah. I met my granddaughter for the first time today. She was born in the late hours of yesterday uh yesterday evening and today is the first occasion i had to go and spend a bit of time with her at the hospital and so on uh yeah so all a bit up in the air at the moment but uh (laughs) glad to be able to sit down watch a bit of quantum leap and then jump on here and talk to you my friend yeah well you're you're i've always thought of you as the al of this podcast to be fair maybe you think you're maybe you think i'm the al i don't know but i've definitely you're the <laughs> yeah, now mate so <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough uh and today we are looking at episode nine from the third season of quantum leap uh for uh, entitled rebel without a clue obviously a play on the whole rebel without a cause etc um and sam has leapt into the first of september 1958 uh, and he's on the back of a motorbike, which he crashes, and then that's the intro. So yeah. um, we 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 said, did we last week? Um, you remembered quite a bit about this one, and you were looking forward to watching it back. And I remembered bits and bobs, but there was a, a few more grey areas, didn't I? Yeah, it's uh, to be honest, there was actually a few little bits in there that I'd forgotten, so I didn't remember all of it, but I remember the general gist of it uh, basically. So. Um, I'm interested to see what you think of it, to be honest. Um, I don't want to give away my thoughts quite yet, but it was uh, I, it, overall, I, I still enjoyed it. It's definitely one I still, after viewing it to, uh, well, yesterday, technically, um, it's still one I would probably go back and watch. I wouldn't necessarily skip, to be fair, if that makes sense, when you know when you make a list of which ones you yeah. watch. I still think it's one. It's, it's got, I think it's just, I, I just liked it. I thought it was a good story. And I think, again, it might, even though it's a different character, the um, Teddy Wilson who plays Ernie, who obviously we saw earlier in um, in Pool Hall Blues, I just liked him as an actor. And you just, and again, what's going on in this story? You kind of feel for him again, and I think mm. it's not too hard to feel for him. Weirdly, if that makes any sense, I don't know whether that's just me, but you kind of obviously in I don't know. It's just, it's just something about him. I liked as an actor. I liked him in the Pool Hall Blues episode, and then. It's like, hey, you know, Teddy's back. <laughs> so it's like, it's cool to see him. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and it is, it's also a bit of a shame as well, because uh, the actor who played uh, Ernie in this here and also was in, uh, as you mentioned, Paul Hall Blues, and we liked his character there as well. He passed away a few months after this aired, I believe, or a few months before it was due to air. Either way, it was very close around the time that this first didn't know that to be fair <laughs> yeah so. yeah he died he died not like around the release time of this episode so yeah a, a big shame a big shame but there we go it's nice seeing him again and it's also funny because there's obviously there's no storyline reason it's just that they're using the same actor again for this particular role whereas in later episodes of quantum leap especially the finale 
we see the same actors in certain roles purposely because yeah. of, of the way it's structured. So it's yeah. interesting seeing it happen earlier in the show, but nobody mentions it because we don't want people to notice kind of thing. Yeah, in terms of these, yeah, there's a few actors that uh, throughout the Quantum Leap See, I think we see, like you said, so they, obviously they're actors they like, so they recast them as a different person in a different part of time, basically. So, but yeah, yeah, Teddy Wilson. I just um, when you meet him, is is it Grady in Paul Hall Blues? His character. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, I just you can't help but, I, I, and whether it's just me, I don't know, but I think as a viewer, you just can't help but just like go, he's a nice fella, already. And then you see him again in this one, and yes, he's not as like ditzy as he kind of is in Paul Hall Blues and again you feel for him um, So, mm. which we'll get into obviously but it, I always liked um, there's a couple of actors in this actually while we're on the subject there's a couple of actors in this uh, so the guy who plays Dylan I've seen in quite a few different things over the years yeah see I uh, recognised him but I couldn't uh, place where from um, he seems to do smaller parts he did um, more recently he did a voice in Masters of the Universe The Revolution for two episodes the um which actually only came out in 2024. Actually, it's not out, that out, been out that long. I'm trying to get my words out. Well, there's there's uh, two things there. Then I mean, I wouldn't know what that was anyway, and because yeah. it's been released, um, uh, you know, it, and, <laughs> yeah, recently, and it's not at least 20 years old. I probably haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's apparent, I've not seen the second Shazam films, a Fury. So the second one's called Fury of the Gods, uh, but he plays Mr. Gekel apparently. So if anybody's seen that, you know, he was in that. I'm just trying to go back through. He's done a couple of voices in Rick and Morty as well for those fans that watched that um believe it or not he did um a, a voice in animaniacs if you remember that side when that was on tv animaniacs that rings a bell what's that it in animaniacs so that was the um uh, warner brothers like um cartoon with like different skits in it and like the pigeons and pinky in the brain and stuff like that. okay yes yeah. i got yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um just found something and I've lost it because I hadn't had a chance to go through all of them. <laughs> I'll have to try and find it. But he's done loads of different things, basically. And he's, uh, he's something like, um, he said, by the looks of it, he does quite a few like voiceovers and stuff like that. So, and apparently he was, I didn't even know there was a Rush Hour TV series, but apparently there was. He was in it for two episodes in 2016. No idea. Didn't even know that was a series. No, no. Um, by the looks of his like IMDb, he's done a lot of like animation and stuff like that. Um, has made little appearances in films. Miss Congeniality two didn't wa- I watched the first one? I haven't seen the second one. Uh, did a voice in Ice Age, so that's a bit older. So. I've seen Ice Age. I've seen Ice Age. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen Ice Age. <laughs> Oscar. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've watched it. So my little girl absolutely loves Ice Age. Um, so yeah, he's done loads of he's done loads of stuff. Now uh, Mad Dog. Mark Boone. Yes. I recognize from loads of stuff. I say loads of stuff. That's a bit that's false advertising, really. But he seems to, but he's in Batman Begins. He's a dirty cop in that. He's in Too Fast, Too Furious, which was before Batman Begins. Also a dirty cop in that as well. So he's got a, in the bit typecast on at least those two. Uh-huh. Um, and I see him and he just, when he pops up and stuff, you go, oh, that's, I always, like those two actors, especially. I'm, I'm not seeing everything they've done, obviously, but whenever I see their faces, I go, Quantum Leap. And I from this episode each time, so um, it was just weird. I was trying to see if I knew where Josie, um, is it Bissett? Has how you say her surname? The one who plays Becky. She looked familiar now, in a sense of her pictures now. In Quantum Leap, I didn't recognise her at all, but I can't see anything that I've seen that she's done. But she's done quite a 
few different uh, TV shows over. Doogie Howser, she was in apparently. So that's okay. got back a bit, to be fair. Yeah, I can remember that being on TV. I can't remember much about it, but I can remember it being on TV. Yeah, uh, last one, and not because I necessarily recognised him, but we kind of, I've almost inadvertently done this thing where I like to look into the people that are actually who Sam's leapt into, the mirror image, and see what yes. they've done. And to be fair, a lot of them have only done bits and bobs or only Quantum Leap, like we've already said before in other episodes. This fellow's done loads of stuff. He was in Star Trek Generations. He was in Demolition Man, um, SpongeBob SquarePants movie in 2004. Um, I'm guessing a voice. I don't know because I've not seen it. I never did. Uh, I think I missed the... I was just a little bit too old for when that kit come, SpongeBob came out, I guess. Yeah, but, you either, when, when SpongeBob was like really popular, you either had to be of a certain age have a child of a certain age, or be a complete stoner. Otherwise, you weren't going to get it. (laughs) Um, He was also in Star Trek Generations. So again, oh, the TV show I've not mentioned for a while, Babylon 5. He was um, number three (laughs) at some point in 99. (laughs) So, oh, God. Um, That's an ongoing joke we've had in that. Obviously, Quantum Leap was what we're talking about. I'm just Howard the Duck, the movie. Um, I don't know if you ever watched that, side. No, I've not. uh, when did it? I can't remember when it came out. It was fairly, uh, it's a fairly old film. It's, oh, I say that, 1986. So, How the Duck is actually a, um, well, he's a bit of a Marvel character, and he actually did make an appearance in a cutscene as well. Um, so that was quite. Uh, oh, oh, we can use it. We can use the Law and Order sound effect. <laughs> oh, you're creating me editing now. You go on. <laughs> Special Victims Unit. Does that count? <laughs> yeah, because they <laughs> still have the done done. Yeah. Dun, dun. There you go. Don't have to edit in. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, mate. Special but Victims he... Unit, I think, is actually the only one that's still going. All the other Lord and Orders, I think, are finished now. Oh, right. Okay. But yeah, he's done. He's done loads of stuff. To be fair, so it's it's nice to see because, like I said, a lot of these mirror images tend to be like I think um, they, they either they're like they might be somebody on the show or they're just they've never done anything before. I don't know why. Like I said, the baseball player, which we always talk about. I don't think they did anything but Quantum Leap. So mm. and there's a few actors that only go on and do little bits and bobs. And I'm not dove into their, like, so I didn't know until you said a minute ago about uh, Teddy Wilson that he'd actually passed away. So but you may have said it in the in the Bloody Pool Hall Blues episode. So I don't remember you saying it. Maybe I blanked it out. I didn't want the trauma, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, nobody else really, really stuck out to me. I know I've waffled on a bit there, but like, there's a few in there, but yeah, Mark Mad Dog straight away. I was like, oh my god, look how young he is because he's in like Batman and Begins and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, um, like I said, he's in the two films I saw him in initially: Too Fast, Too Furious, and Batman Begins. He was a dirty cop in both, so it seemed. Well, very- it's funny you mention um, that he's doing two similar roles there, uh, and you, you you use the phrase typecast. I saw it from a different way. I saw him here, Mark Boone Jr. as Mad Dog. And obviously he's playing a guy in a biker gang. I yeah. was like, I know him. Where the bloody hell do I know him from? So I checked it out. In Sons of Anarchy, was he? He was in Sons of Anarchy. And if you see him in Sons of Anarchy, he's got a big bushy beard, long, big mop of curly hair. And he is... Oh, I beg your pardon. Yes, he is. It's right at the top of the bloody... I didn't... I went. Yeah. From... Oh, and he was, in, he was in Sons of Anarchy. Oh, my goodness. I mean, they made, they made hundreds and hundreds of episodes of that. He was in a lot of them. He was a very prominent part of the biker gang. Um, great character as well. Really cool character. So, yeah, def- that's where I knew him from. Wow. Okay. See, I've not... I've only ever watched the very first episode of Sons of Anarchy, and I didn't even watch it because I was over... 
a friend's house and they had it on and they've said this is the first episode and they sort of I watched you saw the opening 15 minutes with them and I thought it was quite it looks quite good now I recognize a few people here and there yeah but, I, but I've never really uh, sought it out to watch to be honest maybe I should a lot of people oh, I, I think so I think so. I mean for me uh, no spoilers or anything like that obviously because there's a lot of twists and turns in, in these programs isn't there some some moments that you want to have the surprise of of course so no spoilers or anything like that but the first season the main character played by i think it's charlie hunnam plays the main character jack's his name is uh he has a diary or a journal that belongs to his dad who was the president of the club who who has passed away at this point and he sits on the roof of their clubhouse reading bits of it mm. that i didn't 100 percent get on board with but thankfully it doesn't hang around that that aspect okay. of the show disappears relatively quickly. Oh, Katie Seagal's in it as well. Yo, she's a massive part. Of it. She's Jax's mum. Oh wow, okay. Charlie and um, I recognise oh, him. Who was the guy? The, the the main Pearlman. What's his first name? Ron, is it Ron Pearlman? Ron Pearlman. Yeah, um, he's in it. Was great. He's great. He uh, he, he did some of the voiceover, I think, for. Um, predominantly for a while i think i wonder if they did he do it i think it was him he i'm just checking now i, I think he did the voiceover in uh, fallout video games but i could be okay. yes, there he is he, he does a classic line war war I, i'm butchering it he is so much better but he says war war never changes and he has a whole dialogue at the beginning of fallout 4 that he does is absolutely brilliant and sets the tone as you start this game so good and i'm hoping because the fallout tv series is starting relatively soon i think on amazon prime i'm very looking forward to it um and i i I consider myself a fan but i'm kind of like a newer fan um so whereas my one mate is absolutely obsessed with it so like he'll be very critical of it whereas the fact that he's got a tv show um i can't wait to see what it looks like i'm hoping we get a bit of uh, Ron Perlman in there to maybe do at least some of the voices or at least okay. a little bit just to have a little Easter egg. Cause it will be, br- cause he's done it all the time. Look, so it'd be absolutely amazing. But anyway, mm. <laughs> so I mean, look, he's, um, he's very, very good in sons of anarchy. I mean, like I said, the, the cast is very strong. Uh, the main character, Jax is like I said, played by Charlie Hunnam, who's gone on to be an absolute megastar now, hasn't he? And, his watched him in the, uh, in the gentleman on netflix i think it yeah was. yeah yeah his his mum is played by the, the lady you mentioned there katie's seagull Sagal, however you pronounce it seagull i think it is yes yeah. uh her her new husband so jack's stepdad is obviously ron perlman they run the club he is the president he is in charge and he's a nasty piece of work and and yeah oh, it's it's absolutely fantastic mate i strongly recommend you ch- but you've got to stick with it get through the first season because then it really kicks off but it's one of those shows that you know these these long running dramas at some point they jumped the shark a bit like lost towards the end it was it was not the same show it was at the beginning and all that sons of anarchy is different i firmly believe it gets better every season okay i'll have to give it a well worth checking out and the soundtrack is fucking i bet bet the soundtrack has got some bloody cracking music in that (laughs) but anyway we're not here to talk about a motorcycle gang from the early 2000s we're here to talk about a motorcycle gang from 1958 it wasn't wasn't a big leap though was it (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't and that was a bloody good segue on my part there i'm proud of that (laughs) (laughs) sam has leapt into shane funnybone thomas who has been traveling with the motorcycle group the cobras for just about a week now um 
he is described as being the gang clown. He makes the well leader, I guess. We're never actually given proper titles here, but the guy who is obviously in charge, um, I suppose the club president, he may be referred to as in, in motorcycle gangs nowadays, uh, Dylan. He makes him laugh, so he has him around, he enjoys his company and so on. Um, the main other character we have is Dylan's old lady, as she is referred to as by Mad Dog, which again is a very stereotypical motorcycle gang uh, term. And that is the young lady of, her name is Becky. And it's obvious that before Sam leapt in to Funny Bone, Shane Funny Bone Thomas had a little, he has a bit of a thing for her anyway. But also Sam, as Sam is, seems to be a little bit sweet on her too. But thankfully we don't get too much of that especially after some of the escapades we've had from Sam in recent episodes where he borderlines on a little bit creepy at times. I'm glad that didn't develop much further, Benny. He falls in love way too quickly. He yeah, really he does. really does. Yeah, I don't think... I didn't... He, I think he... I don't think... Because of what has happened, I think you are right a little bit. I think you might have a bit of like a thing for her, but I think generally it's more of a concern rather yes. than... Oh, he must be... You know, I'm glad they didn't go down the route because at some point we see this caricature that um that sat the guy who sam's leapt into uh shane who's drawn obviously um and it could have quite easily gone down the route of shane you know al could have come and said oh yeah shane has to end up with becky because you know bloody the leader of the pack is freaking uh dylan is a is a joke i don't know just some weird he needs to get them two together for some strange reason i'm glad they didn't go down that route to be honest because mm. the guy that's Leapt, Sam's leapt into. I would. I don't know how old he is, but he, he you know, he doesn't look. I mean, I think Becky looks like she's probably, at best, maybe, maybe twenty-two. I think she's probably more like nineteen, though. To be honest, I don't know. Oh, where... Okay, so I placed her a little bit older. I, I was going to say twenty-three, twenty-four, maybe. I don't. Know, I don't know whether we actually learned how old she is. No. Um, but she seemed quite. Oh, maybe not. Maybe she. Maybe she is about in. A, maybe she's early twenties then. But like, maybe she seems a bit. I don't know. She wants to do the whole blimmin writing thing, didn't? Didn't she? Because of uh, oh, what the hell was his name? Uh, Spy by Jack. Uh, oh God, what the hell? on the road in it? What's what the Oh hell? yes, yes. Kerouac. Kerouac. Yes, Kerouac. Yes. Kerouac. Uh, so she wants. She's taking it literally and wants to be on the road and mm-hmm. feels to be a good writer. She needs to get out and experience life, which. I get, but you don't necessarily experiencing isn't just traveling around and going from town to town and looking at it. It's actually getting to know people and maybe yeah. staying somewhere for a little while and, you know, having a bit more of that life experience. <laughs> so anyway, also, if she really, really you know, paid attention to what she was reading and has been heavily influenced and swayed by, if you actually look into the book um, on the road, it's not about riding motorcycles either. No. The, the, the guy who, the writer who we encounter later on in this episode, the characters he has created to um, tell his own tale, spends a lot of his time traveling on buses and stuff. So it's a completely different situation. But anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Um, <laughs> a big part of this episode is set at Ernie's Diner. Obviously, Ernie is the guy uh, we mentioned earlier on, played by our one of our favorite Quantum Leap actors, I think it's safe to say. Um, here... <laughs> I'm not 100% sure how strong a business model Ernie has because it seems that nobody is ever in that diner apart from these bikers. So does he literally just depend on the bikers to keep his business afloat? I'm not 100% sure. I appreciate it's on a dirt track out the way, but for me, watching, 
it wouldn't have hurt having the odd trucker in there or just to fill out the 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 diner a bit more maybe because otherwise it just looks it looked like a set on a tv show as opposed to a diner if that makes sense yeah or just a car leaving as they were pulling in or something or just yeah yeah there you go yeah just something to say this is a business that you know it might not be you might not be get you might not get rich off it, but it pays the bills and he makes a living from it. Just about so truckers might go by, people who are traveling, you know, acro- across wherever they're going, might do. But yeah, just just a simple car leaving would have been good, or even a delivery lorry delivering some stuff or so. Just anything because yeah. it was you turned up and there's nobody there. Um, now whether it's become maybe Ernie's has become a, a hangout for not just these bikers, but for bikers that are traveling maybe and people want to stay away from it. I don't know. Uh. Uh, but yeah, just a simple car leaving as the bikers arrived, as Sam maybe arrived. Do you know what? That would have set the tone pretty well because as we'll get into it, but I know Sam arrived, didn't he? Because he was someone else to tell it. So he so after he fell off the bike, he gets his uh fuel line cut by Mad Dog, because Mad Dog doesn't like this guy, he doesn't think he's funny at all. Yeah. Then Sam has basically got to hike this bike along the road. He said about twenty he said twenty minutes. Now, when he said twenty minutes, did he mean by bike or by walking? Because <laughs> I don't what, know. It was, either way, Sam has to push this bike to this diner, and what would have been good is to see a car leave as Sam's walking up. And then when we get inside and see the opening scene of these lot in this diner, they're all rowdy. They're all loud. They want beer. They want food. They want you know they're being rowdy. So those people would have probably want to leave because all these bikers are yeah. being rowdy. Just that little bit of infam- that little yes. bit of a nugget would have been. You know, now you've brought it up. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> sense to be honest also later on we find out that ernie is keen to hire a, a waitress he needs help in the diner he he has a position open to, uh, uh, and he wants to uh hire some help and i'm looking around that diner and i'm thinking are you sure mate you know do you really need help because <laughs> there's no one again, there <laughs> again we don't have like a local I mean, like when they weren't there, like a local, just, I don't know, the bloody postie or something, just to drop yeah. off a bloody, I'll grab a coffee while I'm here. And yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah no, we'll see you tomorrow. It's a Luke. small thing. It's only a small thing, but it just popped in my head then. So they could have used, to be honest, we don't really see all the bikers by face. They have like things over their faces. So they could have used one of the actors, dressed them up differently. We wouldn't have probably noticed, to be honest. Mm. Or then maybe we would have, we'd be moaning about that instead. <laughs> oh, there we go. Um, we, yeah, as you mentioned, Mad Dog, um, we find out quite early on, doesn't like uh, Shane or Funny Bone, isn't it? They, they refer to him as. And that's an ongoing theme throughout the rest of the episode. We have then a moment that kind of sets up um, Sam in the gang as opposed to the person he's leapt into. Because Sam has, a, has this habit of reacting to things as himself rather than trying to put on a um an act to be somebody else which he perhaps should do at times but you can understand why he doesn't he's leaping around all over the place and so on sam sits and it has to explain metaphors and how they work with regards to writing because becky has done some writing she is reading it out to dylan upon his quite forceful request and um he doesn't get what she's on about and sam tries to explain it's a metaphor for this that the other and he straight away goes into a rant about being in the korean war and we didn't have metaphors out there people said what they meant and all this sort of stuff and it's obvious this guy is suffering from uh some kind of long-term damage from being out and serving his country in korea and 
he's also maybe got a few confidence problems. He's a bit bullshit. He's a bit over the top, trying to hide factors that may be troubling him. But at the same time, he's also a complete dick, isn't he? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I think you've explained that pretty well, to be fair, because, you know, the war stuff, you know, he even goes into it a little bit. I don't know why he brings it up, because he's, because she's talk, you know, she reads a, her work to him and then he starts talking about the war as if to shift focus. I don't know whether he did that or maybe it triggered something in him. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's obviously dealing with, uh, you know, PTSD, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Good. Uh, Yeah. He's, um, I think he clearly is. I mean, we get a reference later on from Becky where he, he apparently he's woken up, uh, sweating and, you know, freaked out and, you know, doesn't know where he is and stuff like that. And, I've heard different stories from different people over the years from different wars and stuff where people have, you know, uh, jumped out of bed in the middle of the night and ducked under the bed because they think they're being, because they're dreaming, uh-huh. I guess, or reliving those moments. And so it can't be nice. But obviously, I don't think anybody at this in, what, what was this, September 1st? Was it 1958? Yeah. I doubt anybody was being treated for PTSD or it was. Even Shell shock, wasn't it? Um, shock, they called it. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure. Again, I'm, 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 I didn't think we were going to dive into this, so my research is very poor. I, I apologise. But I'm not sure when the term shell shock became widely used, especially in the States. Um, obviously, World War Two ended in 45. It might have been used then, I'm not sure. Vietnam was obviously later than the Korean War. Uh, Korea was, and if I'm getting the dates wrong, please, I apologise to anyone listening. Korea was 1950 to 55. Three, I want to say. Uh, um, nineteen fifty. Uh, yeah, no, yes, three years. You're right. Yeah, right. Didn't know there that. you go. My, my old science teacher, Mister Griff. Sorry, my old history teacher, Mister Griffin. I'll be very, very proud of you right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know when whether it would have come in after this or after after Vietnam, which was obviously a few years later on, and so on. But shell shock was the term used by doctors and yeah. so on. I, I believe before PTSD became a proper term i guess yeah shell shock and war neuroses i think was one of the okay uh, um i'm just looking up now there's the term uh the ptsd i can't uh post-traumatic stress disorder is how i say it but ptsd has become a household yeah. name since its first appearance in 1980 so you know that okay so you know that's a long time between two so you know i think they recognized there was something but they called it like you said shell shock and stuff in different names but whether how it was being treated i have no idea if at all um you'll be all right get some exercise maybe i don't know it's a mental thing Mm -hmm. isn't it it's not a physical thing it's definitely a mental thing um in a sense of replaying things and reliving those horrific moments with uh your your, you know your your friends your unit you know whatever your colleagues etc so we're gonna see some more of it as well aren't we in in future episodes obviously there's there's quantum episodes that deal with um, the fallouts of certain conflicts. I think we we end up having a um, a Vietnam vet involved in a in more than one leap going forward. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll we'll come to that as we progress through the seasons, no doubt. Yeah, um, Mad Dog is a grumpy piece of shit. He blatantly doesn't like uh, Bone, as they call him sometimes. There's a bit of a scuffle because Mad Dog wants his picture drawn by um, Becky. And Sam just draws him literally as a dog. And there's a bit of a fight, a bit of a scuffle and so on. 
Um, and then we come to Al arriving and why Sam is actually here. Now, there's two points here with regards to uh, to Al, the use of Ziggy and his knowledge from the future. That I, I want to try and bundle into one here, uh, Benny, if I can. Yeah. Um, first of all, Al says that Sam is there to prevent a murder. Uh, and Becky is found stabbed to death on a beach a few miles away. Um, and her killer was never caught uh, and so on and so forth. But it's obvious that being in this environment, surrounded by all these angry men, uh, Mad Dog's already displayed a knife on more than one occasion and so on. It is, is going to lead or at least contribute anyway to her, her early passing. And also we hear talk of Ernie, the diner owner's son. When they're talking about Korea and they're talking about Dylan being out in Korea and, and others being out there as well, Ernie is saying, um, you know, my boy Daryl is out there still. Uh, he'll be back. I've kept his bike the way, the way it, you know, it should be. It's clean. It's tidy. I keep polishing it ready. It was ready for his return. And then we get the bombshell of the war finished five years ago. So, and I didn't even piece that together. When Ernie was initially talking about his son was still out there, he should hopefully he'll come back soon and, and so on. I thought, okay, the war has finished, but I wasn't thinking of the dates. We know Sam has leapt into 58. I just said, obviously, that the, the Korean War finished in 53. I didn't make that link in my head until, uh, was it Mad Dog or Dylan himself, who turned around and said, the war's been finished for five years. He's dead, mate, basically. See, see Dylan actually initially kind of comes across like, oh, you, it, and I wouldn't say he came across like overly nice, but it was more like the, the war's over. Like, yeah fused by it um and mad dog just bloody piles on and is like he's dead old man he's dead and all that you know obviously goes on a bit more but like he basically no nah, he ain't coming back he's dead he's just being written and uh dylan's like you know show some bloody respect or whatever this is his son he's, you're talking about so there is a little bit and we see glimpses of dylan being like a human being and mm-hmm. becky seems to bring it out of him which is good but the problem is he's with it's not necessarily the rest of the bikers it's mad dog kind of egging him on like you know oh you're letting your old lady ch- tell you what to do it's like you know that kind of thing you know whereas yeah. actually if he wasn't around these people and maybe just becky maybe he wouldn't be i'm not saying he, he would have to do um part of me he would have to put some work in but what i mean is because he's got his bloody biker friends whatever and they're kind of egging him on if that makes sense he wants to be yeah. prove that he's a tough guy in front of these in, in front of his gang essentially so that's how i took from it anyway so yeah, okay. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Um, Becky goes for a walk. Sam follows. And uh, Dylan even turns to Mad Dog and says, bloody hell, if he wants her, he can have her. Very dismissive, very talking of her as a possession rather than somebody he's in a relationship with and so on. And it's just one little throwaway line. But I thought the addition of that added so much to the whole scenario. The, the very like I said, the dismissive nature of, of that comment by Dylan when referencing this this girl who he's in a relationship with really I think showed a great deal of how his mind works in, in that scenario. Yeah, again, I I I'm not sure whether that's him just being like, oh yeah, whatever. Like I'm just I'm eating, I'm drinking, I don't care what she's doing right now because he doesn't. I think he wants to like kind of like own her, doesn't he? I guess to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But like, also again, he sat with Mad Dog 
So maybe is he trying to act because he doesn't want to cry? Because we we again we hear about him having cold sweats and crying and stuff when he wakes up in the middle of the night in front of a biker gang in '58, probably in any biker gang, maybe I don't know, but I don't think it would have been overly like, dude, why are you crying? Like that's that's how the attitude was. So for him to say to me anyway, to him to say, oh, we can have her, is him just acting like one, he's trying to ignore it. And he's not trying to get jealous. And then because he sat right next to Mad Dog, he's trying to act like the big I am again. I, I, that's how I took mm. it. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Um, we've also got the the sort of you running. Can see it. You don't agree with it, but you can see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've also got the the running. Um, I suppose undercurrent, I guess, of uh, Daryl Ernie's son's bike. It's apparently a a wonderful piece of kit. A very expensive, lovely, um, fast motorcycle. And initially, Dylan offers to try and buy the bike. Ernie's not interested. He's saving it for his son. Now, this, again, is going to pop up a bit later on. Um, Ernie Ernie is also... Whereas he comes across like he's putting a brave face on all the time. And it's difficult initially to see whether he genuinely believes his boy is alive after five years, which is an incredibly long time, let's be honest. Yeah, or if he is just literally doing, as I mentioned, putting a brave face on it. But there's a moment where Ernie ends up talking to Sam when they try and uh, fix his bike. Um, we we have got a moment at the beach that we're going to come back to in, in a second, but we're talking about Ernie now, so I think it's a good idea to sort of dive into his character potentially. Um, Ernie is when he's just on his own with Sam, gets a little bit upset and starts talking about. Why do he's talking about Dylan and and Mad Dog and saying he doesn't like them and all this, and he's saying why do boys like that get to come back from Korea, but his son yeah. not? And it's at that moment for the first time that the mask I think almost kind of slips with Ernie, and you almost feel he's not just for want of a better phrase playing dumb or putting his head in the sand or, or being ignorant and just internally optimistic. It's almost like deep down he, he kind of knows but doesn't want to admit it, maybe. Am I, mean, I, am I getting at something yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. But he also says towards the end of that, you know, yeah, like you said, he definitely, for the first time since we've met the Ernie character, he's like in front of Sam while they're fixing his bike, as you said, um, is very much opening up to Sam. And then then says, look, here's, here's a newspaper clip. And there was a boy over there for a couple of years after the war. He finally came home three years after, I think it was. And then he also follows up he says what he says and um and i think he ended it with um well somewhere near the end of like well one way or another until he's home you know i'll, I'll be waiting basically so mm. i he, i think he knows or uh, but he's trying to remain like you said brave face in front of everybody else keep a business going keep the boys room going there's a later on i know i'm jumping ahead a bit here when we we'll go back to the beach in a moment actually no do the beach first and i'll t- but but basically, yeah, I will say it. Basically, the um, he's even wrapped Christmas and birthday presents every year. Yes. Since oh. And it just like, um, in that scene, we go back to where they're fixing the bike. The bike gets fixed. Sam wants to go and find Becky. Um, and, um, you know, Al's like in the room with him, isn't he? With, you know, doing Ziggy and all that stuff. Yeah. And says that his son doesn't come home. He's MIA. Then they find his body in... I think it's two years' time, I think, maybe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, his remains are flown back in about two years, yeah. Yeah, so, it's, and then, I'm glad, Sam, because 
there was a moment where Sam looks up and I thought Sam was going to say, look, I think he might be, but I'm glad Sam didn't do that. I'm glad there was just that look of like, oh God, like, and then I've got to get out of here, <laughs> find Becky type thing. I'm glad that they could, I'm glad they didn't go down that road of trying to convince him to move on or anything like that. Mm. And, you know, I think he, uh, well, we'll find out later, but it's basically what's keeping Ernie alive, isn't it? Waiting for his son. Well, yeah, because in, in that same explanation with Al, um, he explains that it, the the remains of Daryl are, are flown back in around two years, as you said, Benny. But Ernie then dies just a couple of months afterwards. So you know, he's obviously yeah. di- dies of a broken heart, I'm guessing. And it's incre- yeah. it's incredibly sad, but it's so well done because in a lot of television programs now, in a lot of drama on television now, this would be a huge, over-the-top, elaborate scene and uh, and so on. Here, it's almost so understated, almost... Because Sam can't react, obviously, because, you know, Ernie's got no idea that he's <laughs> he's a time traveler from the future and he's got a hologram mate who's just telling him his boy's dead. Sam yeah. can't react. <laughs> obviously, Sam can't <laughs> exactly, react. Yeah, like, yeah. Ernie can't see or hear what Al is saying, obviously. So he's not getting the information from Al. He's not getting the information from Sam. Sam can't let on. He's just been given that information. So nobody in that group can react. But at the same time, it's so so deep and 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 upsetting hearing that news, having seen how much the the character of Ernie adores his son. He's he's got him up on a pedestal. He think he 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 loves his son so much, and then no one reacts to the the line on screen, basically saying that this this guy's son is dead. It makes it so powerful without actually having to do much i think yeah 100 percent um it, again i've talked about it several times since we were back being in a scene with the actors and just like feeling it like yeah just in that moment for the for that particular moment in that episode like you know there are distractions nowadays there's phones there's you know whatever you might scroll this and of course i've seen this before but I watched it from start to finish without any interruption. But they, they, you know, the cat come and jumped on me at some point, and I was playing with the cat while I was watching it. But that particular scene felt at a really good moment, and you just take everything. You know, you're listening to the words that are being said, and then you're like, "Oh, son's d-. again." It's a bit. I remember this fairly well, but it even it's still, even now, after probably this might be my, I don't know how many times I've watched this over the years. We had this conversation before, but. It still tugs at the old uh, heartstrings a little bit, doesn't it? Because um, mm. again, it does. It does help that Ernie is such a just a nice bloke, you know. Um, even though he has to deal with these freaking muppet bikers causing trouble and making noise and being demanding and whatever else they do, mainly Mad Dog, who we see like get me the beer now and all that earlier on, and he just wants his son home, doesn't he? At the end of the day, yeah. when you boil down to it, to that character, he wants his son home. Indeed. Um, meanwhile, back at the beach, uh, Becky is talking to, well, she's very cross, I suppose, with um, Dylan, because Dylan's making plans to effectively steal the bike. He and Mad Dog are talking about stealing um, Daryl's bike. Becky's quite upset about this. She makes it quite clear that she's not a fan of this this plan, to which Dylan sees that as disrespecting him in front of his gang potentially egged on by mad dog and some others he slaps her about a bit starts assaulting her and so on 
and it takes quite a dark turn quite quickly whilst all these uh, leather clad bikers are stood around sneering and uh, and you know gawping as dylan and again it's quite a dark moment considering some of the stuff that quantum loop deals with it, he's basically on top of becky on the deck and it's obvious what his intent is at that particular moment in time. We don't need to dive into details, obviously. No, Thankfully, no. Sam arrives in the nick of time and Becky jumps on the back of the bike and he speeds off back to the diner. This now has taken quite a bit of a turn for me because Dylan, as you mentioned, Benny, has shown moments of almost having a slightly better side in certain circumstances. That's gone now, isn't it? That's yeah, he's talking about he's talking about stealing... Uh, a guy's son's bike he's just slapped and uh, assaulted in you know in different ways his partner in front of his friends who just stood there and watched and then he heads back to the diner well we get a clever moment where, where ernie comes out of a gun and tells dylan and the gang that um sam stole the bike and he's gone and they're like we'll go get him and they head off but they're actually behind the door, so it's quite a clever little swerve to get Becky and uh, Sam some time. But then the next time we see Dylan, he's in the dark, in the diner, smoking a cigarette in a very sinister, uh, slightly unbalanced kind of way. That whole um, goodwill he his character bought, potentially, in the first segment of the episode, it's gone now, hasn't it, Benny? I don't know, uh, Goodwill's a good way of saying it, but it's more of a... He's definitely a complicated character because of the war stuff, the the, the night yeah. terrors, whatever, the PTSD, the sh- uh, you know, shower shot, whatever you want to call it. Um, you kind of like... You understand why he kind of is the way he is to a degree, but definitely being egged on by Bloody Mad Dog all the time for me as well. But yeah, at this point, again, egged on because he doesn't... Mad Dog makes a comment like, oh, your you old lady making you soft or something like that. And then he just, again, has to look tough in front of his bloody mates and not mm-hmm. really by striking a woman but you know um but yeah um i don't know if you want to talk about the scene where sam goes to uh to see um the uh, uh curac at all um, obviously because we sam goes off to see him to try and get him to come and convince becky that you don't necessarily need to be on the road <laughs> and it just turns yeah, out just... to know where he is as well which makes me laugh because there are episodes where it's something to do with a letter that he wrote and it was sent from this address. So that makes sense to a degree. At least they've explained what, how they know where he is. Yeah. The other times you're like, where we need the information that should be fairly easy to find. <laughs> doesn't seem to exist or Ziggy's having a bloody meltdown or something. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, but yeah, they, you know, getting Kurak to, I don't know, obviously it's portrayed by this actor, obviously, because Kurak is, you know, he was a, he was a, uh, well, he wrote the book. They talk, they talk about he's a real person. So, but it's just, um, I don't know. I found that's the only bit in this episode I found a little bit. It was just, it, it felt very forced to get him in this. Yeah. Obviously, not the real Karak, obviously, but to get this character in the episode, it did feel this is the only bit of the episode to me where, for me personally, I was like, they've kind of like shoehorned this in for Sam, some random guy on a bike to turn up to this um, American novelist and poet to while he's drinking his wine and his. You know, wouldn't you be like, who the fuck is my, my door? I don't know. Nobody knows I'm here, like, type thing. You're like, who are you? Why are you telling me about this girl? Who's- yeah, I, f- I agree with you. I find this... Uh, g- going 
finding out where the guy is from a letter and so on, I can almost get on board with, you know, time travel, silliness, and but you've got, you got to sort of yeah. sus- suspend a little bit of, of your belief to get into it, haven't you? Yeah, at least all, it was explained I, on how they... Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Sam's motivation to get the guy who wrote the book that Becky is basing her whole life upon, her whole future plans, which end up getting her killed, Sam's motivation of getting him to tell Becky, don't be silly... Again, I can I can get behind a little bit. I can understand why that may work. Um, going down to the guy's house, obviously there's no email, there's no mobile phones, there's nothing. He's lit, that's the only way he's got of getting in contact with the dude. So I can appreciate again why that might happen. Yeah. Arriving and the guy's pissed up and swaying about the place. And that, again, I can understand because it was actually the drink that went on to kill this fella. He, he died of, of drink-related issues in his late 40s. Yeah, so I can appreciate, you know, that it was the alcohol that killed him. Um, all of those things, I can kind of suspend a little bit of my mindset and think, okay, it's a little bit of a stretch plot-wise, but I can appreciate what they're trying to do. All of those things individually. Together, it's a step too far for me. Yeah, I, I see. I mean, I again, I spoke highly about this, level, uh, this, uh, this episode, sorry, um, which is, I still like it, but this is the only bit for me... I remember watching it a few fair few years ago and thinking, this is a bit it felt I mean, you just watch it and you watch it and just but it felt like it was just like shoehorned in because they, they mm-hmm. figured they worked out that he was roughly around the area at the time and then yeah. this time around I'm watching it going. I mean they needed somebody to talk Becky down, I get that, but Sam could have done that. Yeah, I'd rather Sam would have done that. Because he's done it before many times with different characters, not loads of times, but he's done it enough that he could maybe after, you know, cause what's about to happen, what we'll get into was what you said. Um, you know, they turn up the gang, turn back up and figure out that actually they've been lying and they're not actually gone elsewhere. Um, and Dylan's, you know, set a trap essentially for Sam, uh, uh, Shane, who he's leapt into to come back. So, I mean, after that, you could have done it. So you didn't need Kerouac at all. I don't think, but no, normally. like I said, it felt very, very forced um, I, think, I, I mean I suppose we do get those uh, what, what's the term that you brilliantly coined for this Benny the, the brush with history kiss with history something like that well not me no 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 I, not, I would love to take credit for it but it's what, the, what they say kiss with history they call it okay right. um, so I, I never I never came up with that that's what the, the guys on the like the DVD extras came up with and I just liked it so um, it was uh, yeah a kiss with history so yeah you know, they've had like you know chubby checkers we've spoke about before and yes uh, michael jackson and rocky and uh sylvester alone sorry um so yeah i like it when they do it when it feels a bit more natural even the michael jackson one with him moonwalking in the bathroom felt it was like a nice little comedy moment because we're dealing uh-huh. with quite a deep issue in that episode in kamikaze kid um, so it was quite a nice little moment, you know, bye bye. And he did as a moonwalk away and everything like that. So it's e- effectively, Sam teaches Michael Jackson the moonwalk. Yeah, so it's quite a funny moment. But again, for I don't know, it just maybe it's because Sam had to go there. I don't know. It just didn't feel this time around me watching it. Obviously, obviously, we, we do this podcast and we critique it. So I mean, probably like looking at it a bit more closely than what I would have before. But it, I felt like it was unnecessary. <laughs> Mm, no, I I completely understand. I'm exactly a exactly the same mindset. Really, I can understand at the same time. I can understand why they were trying. 
Yeah. Um, we look at people like, well, you mentioned Michael Jackson there and various others, very influential people um, in, in history and famous for various reasons and so on. The, the book On the Road, it inspired so much. David Bowie talks about that being an inspiration for him. Uh, the band The Doors talk about it being an inspiration for them. Um, so many artists, uh, li- literal artists, as in, as in you know, uh, painters and so on, and then musicians and and all this sort of stuff. So many people talk about this book I'll, influencing them. Yeah, I'll, I'll explained it so well in the episode as well by saying you don't remember the fifties. It was this. It was boring. It was conformative. It was this. Yeah, and uh, you know, so the way Al explains it in this episode was for me because obviously I was born in I'm born in the eighties. Even though I'm classed as an I was born mid eighties, so I don't remember that. Like the first thing I really remember is the 90s, to be totally honest. Yeah, because I'm, I'm about five years old, so I start remembering things. So people could class me as an 80s kid or whatever, but actually I feel more like a 90s kid because I remember more. And I, I'm yeah. more influenced by music in the 90s, uh, film, TV in the 90s, even though, and then also some of the films from the 80s, because as you get older, you, your parents have videotapes of certain films and all that kind of stuff that were on when they were, you know, before you were around so like stuff like i mean i I was ghostbusters was made a year before i was born i think maybe two years um there's 84 ghostbusters so a year then so yeah um so like literally the ghostbusters film was one of my favorite films of all time but yeah Mm -hmm. i was not even born but i watched that in the 90s probably i would say around 93 94 something like that i was watching ghostbusters so do you know what i mean so because the way well, I use the term content. We obviously it's different now. We have Netflix, we have streaming services, we can access all this stuff by the internet. Whereas then it was waiting for VHS tapes to come out and then eventually DVDs and then internet and blah blah blah. Mm. <laughs> so it was a different time. So but yeah, I love the way Al explained it was this, it was that, then we had this, then we had then we had um like then we had rock and roll and all this. So it was a very creative time. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, I'm I'm on board with your mindset as opposed to the actual uh, producers and directors and so on with, with this happening though. But it's still not the worst moment with this guy. We will come back to that. Well, we will come <laughs> to that shortly. Um, effectively, now we're virtually at the end of the episode. I guess we're back at the diner. The gang has arrived. Um, Mad Dog is outside. You know, ramping the crap out of Daryl's bike. Uh, Ernie runs out upset and Mad Dog basically beats the shit out of him, which is horrific. So this poor old man hits the deck very, very firmly and, and roughly and gets kicked a few times in the stomach. Very sad. Um, Sam fights Mad Dog and we get to see the, the, the fantastic Scott Bakula spin kick for the first time in a little while. Haven't seen that for a few episodes. And he gives uh, Mad Dog a proper good mash to the face. Dylan then decides he is going to have a go because he can do a little bit of Kung Fu or whatever it is he says. And promptly throws a handful of dust in Sam's eyes. And right at this moment, Al arrives. Sam's brilliant. Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) I didn't mind that because that happens. Yeah, of course. Of course, it is a little bit. Oh, that's coincidental. But whatever. That's how TV works. What I wasn't too big a fan of was Sam being blinded by the dust and Al shouting instructions like duck, move, kick, and guiding him for a few seconds of the fight. That felt, even though this was first first broadcast in, what, 92 here in the UK, I believe? 
that felt too 80s for me, too cheesy. I weren't a big fan of that, but it was only a little thing, you know, it wasn't anything too Did, major. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't mind the duck because that makes sense. But then, yes, Sam could be not facing him at all, then saying punch. He did because he didn't like go, he's in front of you, throw a punch. Or like if he'd have just said that, it would have like, you go, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, cheesy. But he said duck, punch, and then kick. Um, yeah, but where? <laughs> <laughs> it's meant to be blind the duck i i can i i have i can live with because if you shouted at me now sorry you said duck and i'd move out the way because there might be something flying at me or yeah whatever. yeah of course but then to throw a punch in a cake again we're being a bit nitpicky here but it yeah I, I i'm with you on that to be fair i but after the Kerouac stuff mate to be honest i was like yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm on board with anything now <laughs> i'm on board with anything now i can live with this <laughs> um sam actually wins the fight and floors Dylan. Um, the next thing we see is the police arriving and taking them away. I so it, Sorry, we just skipped, because he knocks out the leader and Mad Dog, basically. Yeah. And then the rest of the bikers go, oh, we better run away. And I don't know, yeah. I don't remember if, did somebody say they've called the police or the, or they, we heard sirens? I don't remember, because it seemed to be like they just went. Oh, I don't remember oh, either. The boss man's been knocked out. Let's run away. There's more of you than there is of him. Just don't mm. take him on one on one. Yeah, <laughs> don't know? don't form a queue. <laughs> exactly. Don't take a number. What the hell's about with you people? <laughs> Little buzzer on the side. Now serving number sixty-two. Yeah. <laughs> Five, please. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I th- maybe the cop. I can't remember. Maybe the cops' um, sirens were uh, coming because to be honest, I was trying to think. Maybe Ernie called the cops, but then he was up down on the floor and got picked up, and then Becky was there as well. So everybody was outside, as far as I can tell. That would have would uh, would have wanted to call the cops, is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, of um, course. So unless there were sorry, I don't remember. Somebody correct us, please. <laughs> maybe yeah, there, there was. Um, to me, this is the end. This is this is this is sorted now. Um, Dylan has been exposed as being a horrible sleazy nasty aggressive woman beating uh piece of shit mad dog was always a, a knobhead no matter what anyway um but yeah becky still sits there and goes oh yeah but i've got to go on the road and i'm thinking give your head a wobble love come <laughs> yeah. on you know but earlier, again, well, it was earlier on when she was going oh it, it, it was my fault because obviously she's a victim of abuse from this fella and she was like oh it's my fault and i i hopefully nobody will ever you know in terms of like my family or my daughters and your kids and stuff will never have to deal with this but i've never understood why why i guess they're scared and worried and there's different types types of abuse financial abuse and all that kind of stuff but i never understood because i won't because i've luckily this never happened to me so i i don't really understand why they don't just leave if that makes sense but mm. anyway like you said she was at the end of this she still wants to travel she's very literal she wants she thinks she has to be on the road because of this um Kerouac's book on the road basically so uh, I, I think with um I, I don't want to get bogged down too much with regards yeah. to the the abuse thing of course but you do read and and hear about and so on very manipulative situations where the beaten party is is not just beaten physically uh, mentally and emotionally they're downtrodden perhaps they believe that they can't survive without the abusive partner Sometimes, like you mentioned there about the whole financial abuse kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's one way of controlling the situation. Of course, yeah. Um, and I caught the whole thing of why did you get me so angry to make me do this to you and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And if, you know, it, 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 it's a whole different conversation for another day. Of course. But, um, yeah. Here, she's not 
just saying she wants to stay with Dylan because that's over and done with. She's still saying she wants to just go out on the road. So I'm thinking, are you are you for real? Yeah. You know, after the trouble you've just got yourself in, you still want to jump on a, on the back of a motorbike with someone or get on a bus and because of this guy's book that you've read. It, it's um I I like I would have liked it if there and then she went obviously you know the people writing this would word it far better than i of course but (laughs) if she she just literally went do you know what that's all a bit much for me i'm gonna stay here i'd have bought that completely 100 percent. yeah yeah she was actually had to be convinced didn't she but she wasn't even convinced by ernie or um by sam aka shane we have to endure a slightly hungover kerouac i would assume oh my god this dude I'm going to come back from my coffee when it's hot. Shut the fuck up, mate. Honestly, he, he, this is he, this is the most like annoyed by somebody I've been in an episode. And I've been annoyed by a lot of bad guys. But this guy is just... I got very... Uh, now, I'm a, I apologize if you're a fan of it or whatever. And I get the message he was trying to send with On the Road. But I found him very pretentious. Oh, my God. That's literally the note I've got in front of me. <laughs> this guy is so pretentious. He is just... Uh, again, he had drink issues there was a lot of drugs you read you you read segments of the book or read the book itself the what there's two main characters one of them is is him he is telling the story from his own and and as al explains it about jazz music and the drugs and all that that was the kind of story that they were telling from it's based on their own travels from the 40s i think and then he wrote it in the 50s or whatever anyway so you can understand this guy, you may be a bit mixed up in the head. Everything is very um, open my and arty and so on. And As my missus would say, he's probably a bit pickled. Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, perfect. There you go. Uh, but you're right. It is. I, I, I can imagine, I suppose, just playing devil's advocate for a moment. I can imagine, I suppose, to suppressed, straight-laced individuals in the 50s somebody coming along and talking or behaving this way and showing them a level of freedom they've not experienced before could be highly influential. I understand that. And again, yeah. you look at the likes of Bob Dylan and the doors and all the music that was created that cite this book as an influence. It obviously was that way. So I, I don't know if it's just of its time. And now because we're reviewing it in 2024, and we have our our thoughts are already in a different place, as opposed to trying to be influenced from a fifties mindset, or if it's the way the lines are delivered by the actor portraying uh, Kirouac. Sorry, Kirouac, yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know if I like the oh, actor, to be honest. I don't know whether it's I... so pretentious. Yeah, I'll tell you another term as well, which is a little bit mean because some people who who go this 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 particular way are incredibly talented. Of course, it's just too arty farty hippie for me. Yeah, he is a bit. Um, yeah, I know. I agree with that. Yeah, and, uh, so I can't get past a pretentious word, to be honest with you. But yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Um, I was trying to figure out where I recognised him from, and I've just realised where I recognised him from. Uh, okay. He's in, I don't remember what episode. I think it's early on, but in he's an he's a character in X Files, but I can't remember the guy's name. But um, he's in. Open alien from. kills the fucker. <laughs> well he starts coming about talking about the coffee when it's hot and that that line did that, i think that's what did it for me sorry to be honest when he goes because he comes in he goes i was in seek of a cup of coffee and blah 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 whatever and that's fine i can just about give it and then he gives that speech and maybe you don't have to and i was talking to a friend and blah 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 whatever then he goes to leave and then he's like oh do you want that cup of coffee then he goes oh i'll come back later when it's hot 
and it's that I just oh it, yeah that I really what's that what 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 what, what, what on about just wait the kettle will boil mate it ain't gonna take long <laughs> it's be, you know? I, I don't know you'd have to I, I'm assuming people have watched it so if they're listening to this but I for me I I don't think I've been this animated about a character in terms of but it's just the way that last line for me was the nail in the coffin really so have, you seen, have you seen friends uh, yeah pretty much yeah you know Stifler's mum in the film American Pie? Yes, yeah, yeah. Right, she plays a character in Friends who has a fake English accent. Yeah, it makes me laugh every time because right. she's, we're to- she's not trying to be British. She, as in, like, she's not portraying a British character. She's trying to do a British accent. She's an- and it's, she's trying yeah. to be all classy, but yeah. Right. The, there's a line in that, uh, Monica and Phoebe are talking about her. There's a line in that that reminds me of this guy here. And it's when she goes... I'm sorry to have called you on your mobile. And then Phoebe goes, well, then don't, then don't try and ring me. I'm oh, sorry to have called you on your mobile. And then don't ring me on my mobile. It's that kind of vibe from this yeah, guy, yeah. you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now I didn't put that together, but actually, yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know what it was. Uh, maybe we're being a bit too mean. Oh, we're not actually knocking Kerouac. We're actually knocking a little bit of the, I just don't think that was needed after everything nope. that happened. The gang turn up, they tried to bloody steal the bike, they beat up Ernie, they beat up Shane slash Sam, they managed to win, they get they get arrested. Um I, I think between Shane, aka Sam and Ernie, should have been able to convince her to like maybe you should just stay here for a while. Don't maybe not stay here forever. Maybe you can help me out around here and stay here for a bit, earn a bit of money, and maybe if you want to go travel in a little bit, you can. And we could have had a bit more mm. insight into Dylan's character, a bit more, maybe. Um, and maybe even Becky a bit more, because there's a history there that we don't know about. All we know is there might have been an abusive father, I think, because that's kind of thrown in there at some point. And uh, mother died when she was seven, I think she said. Um, and she can't go home for some reason. Now, I think if this is the abusive father, that would make sense. So what else did she get up to? What what she did not do? Or does she not? She's just scared of going home, I guess. But instead of the Kerouac stuff, we could have had a bit more about Dylan, a bit about a bit more about Becky, maybe before those two came together. Uh, yeah. But there we go. It just it pissed me off. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, Ernie um, offers a, a role in the calf to Becky after Kerouac has arrived and spouted his nonsense for a while and convinces Becky you don't have to be on the road to experience living on the road or some fucking nonsense. And, uh becky actually accepts she says she'll stay for a while um sam has changed history here not by making sure that just by making sure that becky is still alive but also becky staying with ernie apparently means that he is still alive in present day he doesn't die after the news of his son's passing in korea because she would have been around to comfort him and and so on and i thought that was a lovely touch that was that was the best moment of the show for me yeah, and I love the fact, by the way, that they don't go, oh, she helped him through it. Al said, well, she stayed with him, and that's great. And Ernie's still alive today, so she's a, obviously she was a friend. She must have helped him through the hard time when he found out about his son. She, they don't know. He's speculating. And I actually yeah. like that rather than going, yeah, we just know. Because, again, I've already alluded to it earlier. Sometimes Ziggy doesn't know stuff, and this is stuff like you think it should know, yep. being a supercomputer. But I love the fact that, oh, we think maybe... And, you know, she stayed with him for a long time. They were good friends and she must have helped him through that, like I've already said. So I I really enjoyed 
it's only a little bit, but I really enjoyed that. Just have that little bit of nugget of information just before we left. And mm. Sam obviously leaps out when he's hugging Becky and off we go. Like, so, um, but yeah, I agree. It was a really nice moment. And I, again, just that little bit, you don't always need the information, but sometimes it is nice to have just a little bit, you know, and which we got, which was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Without uh, this then leads to Sam leaping and we get a familiar little uh, tag on the end. Sam has leapt into a familiar face in a familiar situation, ringing a doorbell and another familiar face answers the door. And apparently when this initially aired, the, I think it's a season two episode, Benny, potentially called Her Charm. I was trying to, yeah, because I was real, I was like, oh, and then it wasn't until after I turned the telly off, I went, hang on a minute, that's not the next episode. That's, we've already done that, Her Charm. Mm. And he's a, it was the, it was, so again, they've done like that rerun thing of um, possibly, and it was, yeah, you are right. It's Her Charm when he was jumped into the FBI agent who actually turned out, Sam obviously wasn't the inside man, but the guy he leapt into was the guy that was working with the mobster or whatever that was trying to kill this woman in her charm, which is back in the archives if you want to listen to it. I just uh, seem to remember that we enjoyed that, didn't we? I think it was pretty good. Yeah, I don't remember the scores we gave now, but it was, um, I think it was a bit better than we, I think I remembered maybe, or vice, or maybe both of us, to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, we don't actually get a a snippet of what is technically the next episode in the season as they are released in mm. uh, format now. So we get these, um, occasionally we get these like, maybe the episode wasn't filmed or I don't know, or maybe they wanted to do a rerun because of, again, we've talked about it before, maybe a different, something else was going on, maybe a sporting event, maybe it was a holidays, whatever it was going on. I don't know when, when did this episode air? Have you got that down? Well, I've only got the UK airtime. Oh, um, okay. So it's a bit tricky to say, but uh, the next episode isn't her charm again. No. Um, the, the, the next. Imagine we did that. Whenever they did that, we had to go back, go to back that. and cover it again. <laughs> <laughs> it would save me some editing, to be honest, because I could just cut in our old so, audio into where we are. So next next time we come to you on the uh, Waiting Room podcast, it will be her charm because that's what they've thrown. Upload <laughs> 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 the episode again for this one. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, it's actually an episode entitled "A Little Miracle." Sam has leapt into Christmas Eve, nineteen sixty-two, and it's basically uh, a Scrooge Dickens type caper with sam and al um doing the whole three ghosts of christmas stuff um i can obviously the story i can uh, make an assumption towards because of the nature of what it is it, it's dickens it's scrooge and, and so on but i can't remember bugger all about this um to be honest as you i mean that well, i could well i I think I remember some of it. I don't remember. It's not, do you know what? It's not one. It's one of the ones I would go now next, to be honest with you, because it's, it's a good, it was a good, I'm assuming it was a Christmas episode. I think it's, it says here, uh, 21st of December. Um, it aired in, uh, so ah, there you go then. It, so that would make sense. So it's a Christmas episode. It's basically a re, it's a re, it's a it's a re shuffle or a interpretation of Charles Dickens, you know, mm-hmm. a Christmas Carol, essentially, isn't it? So uh, it's about a rich guy who I think he I think he wants to do maybe some development and like a maybe a knock down a okay. I can't remember if it's a children's home or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but basically, and I think the guy's got a similar brain pattern, if I remember rightly. 
to oh because he can see al and he can see al a little bit i think yes i remember um because there's yeah and that's quite a cool moment if i remember rightly but it isn't one i've enjoyed in the past i don't think not really i get the gist but um it's not one that again it's easy because we've seen them before you get to a point with series don't you like when you put on i don't know Maybe you put uh, Sons of Anarchy on, you go, I've seen that one. And you go, oh, I like this episode, so you leave it on. So it's that kind of thing. You know, I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah. It's just, But I don't know if it's bad now, to be honest, because I was literally looking forward to a Rebel. Well, that Was it Rebel without uh, a clue? Sorry, I was going to say without a cause, then that's wrong. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, we'll talk about those things in a minute. But yeah, um, it's a Christmas episode, essentially, which we're going to be doing in, well, when these episodes come out, I think it'll probably be around February, March time. So good luck with that. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, it originally aired in the UK in the middle of the bloody summer. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. <laughs> okay, there we go then. Okay. Um, very quickly then, Rebel Without a Clue, out of five and your your, your final thoughts, Benny? Um, like, overall... I enjoyed it. I enjoy a lot. I, I didn't hate it. I liked the story. There were little little nuggets you put in, like maybe a little, just somebody leaving the diner as they arrive or something. Just uh-huh. some, just fill out the universe a little bit. But that's just you know, it's having the budget, I guess, isn't it, and the time maybe to do these things. Um, yeah, I still like it. Um, I will admit, when I was being this up, I was probably thinking I was going to give it a, a solid four. Now that we've talked about it, um, I, I could do without the Kuroak stuff. It could have been something better than, again, nothing against the actual writer or anything like that. I just feel like it was, it just feels f- like forced in there. Let's yeah. do this. It doesn't really make any, yes, he's a writer of the book. I get that. But the interactions with him and Sam are a bit like, he's just pissed basically. And the other one, when he comes into the diner, really fecked me off with the, I'll come back when it's hot line it really annoyed me. <laughs> that's a t-shirt right there yeah but you got to make sure you put a, so it's like h double o double o and a capital t type thing. <laughs> just right in the what... bottom of a coffee pot with sam's face on it or something yeah um, <laughs> i liked al's uh, involvement in this a bit more is i think i'm not gonna say he's an mvp but the, the stuff when al appeared and gave us information and the little thing, like I said a minute ago with Ernie and the whole like, you know, he, she must have been a good friend too because Ernie's still alive. So she must have helped him through that hard time, which I which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And trying to see Sam navigate the bike when he first leaps in and wobbles and falls off is, um, you know, I don't really particularly, what does he say? I don't really particularly like uh, sliding on asphalt or something like that. I can't remember yeah. the actual line now, but it did make me chuckle at the time. Um but yeah, uh, the Becky character is a little bit naive, I guess, and not wanting to go and stuff like that. But see, this is why I got the vibe that she was like maybe early 20s, very early 20s. Okay, maybe like, you're right. I mean, I've got nothing no, to base my assumption on. No, no, nor have I really. It was just the way she was as a person, I guess. So um, in terms of a score, um, I, we haven't done one for a while, actually. But, you know, my um, caca moment, which we haven't done for a while. I would probably say is the, just the whole Kerouac stuff, which I've yeah. already said. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, don't really have an oh boy moment necessarily. Um, I, uh, the scene between Sam and Ernie and when they're fixing the bike is probably one of the better scenes in, in the whole show apart, you know, when we have, but then we have to hear the sad news from Al as well. So Sam's got two conversations going on again, like he normally does. So, but again, it's one of those moments where you just feel for somebody, you know? So, but, um, 
I think, to be fair, probably be a little bit generous. I'm going to go, I was going to go 3.5, but I'm actually going to just go a solid three out of five, I think. Interesting. Okay. It's a a good story. I enjoyed it still. Um, With fresher eyes, I just, I can't keep going on about it. I know, so this will be the last time I say it, but Kurowak can just stay in his bloody thing and drink his booze, to be honest, because it it was, even when he came in and made his little speech, it felt like, I think he could have come in and just spouted off and went, hmm, fart, wallop, wart, dick, <laughs> big truck, big cloud. And she'd be like, oh my God. It was just, it, yeah. it didn't, there was, there was no substance there for me. He was trying to be all arty farty and pretentious, but I did, uh, yeah. I'll move on before I take up the next hour moaning about Kerouac. <laughs> um, I loved this. I really, I mean, I got a big thing about motorbikes anyway, but I, I loved this. Yeah. Um, I liked the the premise of having the couple of different uh, bits of information that Al is giving out. I think Al was superb as well. I, I totally agree with you there, Benny. Um, I like the way that it's all it, fairly claustrophobic, I guess, because it's all taking place in the diner. Yes, they nip off to the beach and they're out on the bike, whatever, but everything of note kind of comes back to the diner. I, I loved it and I was well on course to give this a good four and a half, five, yeah. maybe out of five. I so thought like, 400% before we, before I said, right. because I remember liking it so much. So then the Kiroak stuff happened and I was just <laughs> like, I can't justify giving this a five out of five. I can't justify giving this a four and a half out of five. Uh, so it's a four for me. Because okay, the Kerouac stuff was was you know it boiled my piss. It drove me mad. But by the time he came in and gave his pretentious over the top speech at the end, I'd already fallen in love with the character of Ernie. I'd already fallen in love with his adoration and and you know just complete devotion to his son and his son's memory. And then we get the lovely moment of him not passing away because Becky stays and it's almost like they tie a nice little bow on all of these different parts coming together. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Kuroak aside. So for me, it's a four out of five this week, bud. Fair enough. I think part, part of my score is probably because I remembered it liking it so much and I'm a little bit disappointed by the Fair enough. Kuroak <laughs> stuff, I guess. Um, again, I've already said it. I feel like we could have I think we said this on an episode before where like it could have been more here, less there. And but you know, they gotta fill a forty five minute slot or whatever, and obviously somebody was set in stone, let's have an actor play Kurak. And that's you know, I get it. He was uh, significant of the time and his books are still talked about today, so I get that. But in terms of this, I just felt it was very much just un- it was just unneed it wasn't needed for me. So there we go. Yeah, there you go. Makes a lot of sense, mate. Um, before we depart and before we quickly run through our social medias and so on, because I know Benny, you have plans to get to the gym and I'm not going to lie. The beer in my fridge will not drink itself. Uh, I want to give a <laughs> shout out. The, the, the podcast itself gets messages and comments on Twitter and, and so on. Uh, you know, fairly regular. Me and Benny are over the moon whenever this happens. But there's one individual I want to give a special shout out to. And Benny, I've not told you about this yet. Um, okay. As I said, it's busy day in and out of the hospital, seeing my granddaughter and so on. Somebody who's contacted the show in the past, uh, a gentleman by the name of Ricky Fleischer. I apologize, Ricky, if I'm butchering your last name. I'm so, so sorry if that is the case. Knowing me, I probably am. Um, 
first of all, Ricky's contacted the show on more than one occasion because he really enjoys the waiting room. Um, and for some reason, Benny, he says that he likes to hear you and I's opinions on things. He must be a glutton for punishment, obviously, but it's <laughs> nice to hear. <laughs> um, but each time he has contacted us is because when it's one of those occasions where we've gone into a bit of a hiatus where real life gets in the way or other projects are uh, sort yeah, of yeah. Uh, require attention and, and so on. And then each time he's contacted us via uh, the Facebook page um, at the waiting room pod underscore, I think is what you want to be looking up there for that one. Um, whenever he messages us there, my response is pretty much always the same. Don't worry. We have started recording again. Now, um, when when Ricky and, and everyone else hears these episodes coming out, this is the third episode uh, of us coming back and recording once more. So you would hopefully heard the previous two and then this one coming back from our hiatus. I just want to say, Ricky, honestly, it's not like we forget we've got a show and then you drop us a message and me and Benny go, oh, yeah, shit, we better do some more of that. <laughs> <laughs> the timing is genuinely a coincidence, I promise you. But thank you so much for reaching out to the show. Um, uh, I'll, I'll read it to you now, uh, Benny. He says, hi, guys. Um, hope you are well. Uh, I was wondering when the podcast is coming back, and I explained we've already started recording. Um, we've yeah. got some, we've got some more to do as well, meaning this one, and we, we're setting up a, a, another date shortly. Um, might have a new release day coming up, which obviously people will be aware of by the time they get around to hearing this anyway. And then Ricky responded, "I'm very happy to hear that. I always enjoy uh, your Quantum Leap podcasts. I look forward to hearing you and Benny's take on certain things. It's always good fun. So I want to say, Ricky, again, I know I've said it in the past, but thank you so much for listening to The Waiting Room here on SJP World Media. It's hugely appreciated. Tell your friends how bloody great we are. Um, no, I jest. I joke. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for, for listening and reaching out. And if we ever do go on a hiatus, don't worry we will be back at some point oh, yeah. hopefully it won't happen again but i imagine at some point it bloody will because me and benny are so crazy busy in our own our own content creating worlds and our own real life worlds we could kind of you know line things up for a while and then we have to sort of separate for a bit and come back again it's just the way it works but hopefully it won't be too much of an issue in the future benny but there we go just want to say thank you to ricky for reaching out again well yeah cheers ricky thank you very much um Obviously, follow us, which you already are. Message us, which you already are. So thank you very much. Um, I'd, like, I'd be interested to know where he's from, actually. So if you are listening to this, just out of curiosity, where you're from. Um, and, you know, any... Yeah, I, I, do you know what? I've always wanted to do stuff like this. You know, I'd love to do this for a living. You know, radio. Um, I want to talk to you about off-air some stuff about it in a minute anyway. But um, it's just like the fact that we have... I said it. I think I said it a couple of weeks ago. Um, we have somebody outside of our podcasting circle that really seems to enjoy the show and enjoys listening to us talk about it and we love the show you know we obviously we we critique it that's what we do now um but the fact that he is going are you guys coming back do you know what says that he obviously enjoys the show and he wants it back and the fact that we've actually managed to hopefully make him laugh make him think make him go yeah i agree with him or no you're wrong or just hopefully whatever whenever he listens to us He's enjoying the show and we've kind of hopefully made some sort of impact on somebody's life a little bit of what Sam does really. And if I can, you know, honestly, that means the world to me. You telling me that message. So I, um, I think it's, I think we've had a, me- like you said, we've had messages before and I think you've shared them with me. Um, I don't care if we only have two listeners to this show. 
if they both enjoy it and they want to, and Ricky's one of them, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Am I making sense? No, I get you. I get yeah? you, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just the fact that we've managed to entertain at least somebody and somebody valid, you know, values our opinion on the Quantum Leap series is freaking amazing to me. So thank you very much. There we go. I, I second all of that. Uh, very quickly then, Benny, because we're talking here about our podcast and thanking listeners and so on. little peek behind the curtain to how unprofessional I am. My charger of my laptop's downstairs and I ain't got much battery left. So very quickly, Benny, do you want to <laughs> run through your social medias before we <laughs> depart? professional show i'm gonna say this so so no actually uh, myself. so you're gonna hear a really dodgy edit now there's gonna be a clunk where my battery ran out and i had to recharge and we had to start again oh uh, anyway uh you can follow myself at on x at benny mac b triple m-y-m-a-c-k obviously my other show is at in the corner wwe on x as well so if you're a wrestling fan come on over there's a lot going on as we sit here and record oh today. yes like um I have yet to record my episode for this week. It should be out. Th- they're, they're out every Thursday. So whenever you're listening to this, my shows are out on Thursday on SJP Raw Media. You can find them on Google, Limin, uh, same places you find these, Google, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Or if you just search SJP World Media, either on any of those platforms, you should find the entire back catalog of every show that's on the network, basically. So, yeah. There you go. Great stuff. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it kind of half covers what I was going to say as well. Everything yes, I do is involved in an SJP World Media as well. So all the wrestling content I do, um, there, there's uh, not just content from I either, from, from myself. Uh, fantastic couple from the States, uh, Chuck and Dana, doing their Spotify podcast playlist. Oh, fuck, I, I butchered that, didn't I? Uh, their Spotify <laughs> playlist podcast the axe playlist podcast every wednesday on sjp world media i was fortunate enough to be a guest on that recently talking about iron maiden putting together podcasts for bands that they love talking about um with guests uh music and artists they adore bands for uh, sorry playlists for certain moods and then the playlist themselves is created on spotify so you can go and find it via the link that they share and so on um we've got uh, shows covering football we've got shows covering doctor who we've got shows covering bloody all sorts and live shows as well via the youtube channel the twitch channel the facebook group if you're not in the facebook group search sjp world media there's a page and a group let us know um request and i will always say yes come on in check out what we're doing there um that's at sjp world media all over the place uh, but most importantly you can find and follow this show itself on facebook and Twitter or X or whatever it bloody is. That's at waiting room pod underscore at waiting room pod underscore Christmas time next week, Benny. Looking forward to it, mate. I'm going to go see if I've got any mince pies left. <laughs> <laughs> time to leap out and we'll see you again soon. <laughs>